Hello and welcome to another charming episode of the Robot Dinner Party Podcast. Today I'm joined by my friend Nick from the old Pop Culture Crunch Podcast, the end of which will be shown on an episode of VH1 Behind the Music someday. So, what you drinking tonight, Nick? Well, I'm uh, drinking a Zipline Kolsch. I'm uh, actually broadcasting from uh, the Phantom Zone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're unaware, I had to go through a lot of trouble to get this Kolsch. Um, it is brewed in, I believe, Lincoln, Nebraska. Yes, that's that's right. Oh, nice. Uh, very, very good hops, um, light and crisp. I would say I would liken it. Um, to the time I had Coors Light, but it's, I guess, more rich flavor, and, and you're still leaving, you know, pretty, you know, you're, you don't feel too heavy afterwards, is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, well, it's not too hard to get a lot more uh, rich flavor than Coors Light, but I definitely get what you're saying. Well, so, it's a refreshing flavor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's cool. I'm, I'm drinking some Woodford Reserve, some bourbon that's, uh... Kind of citrusy, kind of smoky, you know, the usual bourbon stuff. On the rocks, pretty good. On the rocks, huh? Yeah, nothing special, though. Do you do, the, do, you do any neat stuff, or do you, do you you always like to have ice cubes in there? I usually don't do neat. I uh, pretty much always do it on the rocks. So so, so what are we talking about today, man? Host, host man? I believe it was either this previous weekend or the weekend before that that you went to some roller derby. What was yeah. that like? Um, it was a lot like um, the movie Rollerball, but not entertaining and a lot of unattractive um, uh, players on oh, the track. Oh, yeah, because I was going to ask, well, <laughs> were there ladies and tank tops, you know, mm. bouncy, bouncy? Not, no, no. It's, I mean, there's, there were some that were like nice to watch. Uh, suffice it to say, um, 
it, probably the first and last time I'm going to do it, but the rules are very simple. You have two teams. You have Each team has a jammer, and that jammer has to get past the opposing team's blockade. And once they do and go around once and pass the line, they get a point. That's all it is. And, and I mean, they get a little rough, and that's kind of fun. But um, after, you know, three minutes of that and with no real competition during the game, I mean, because it was really lopsided when I went, and I ended up drinking a lot of beer. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, first and first and last time. Oh, man, that's unfortunate. I know someone who uh, was a referee for the Omaha Roller Derby for a bit, and then he moved back to Michigan and uh, was doing that in Detroit for a while, and he's since retired, so he quite enjoyed it. But uh, suffice to say, I don't think either you or your girl will be doing roller derby anytime soon. I will also use suffice it to say again because that is the buzzword of this episode. And and I will say there were, I'm not kidding you, six referees. Holy six. cow. Six. And, and there, just to give you an idea, there's probably seven, eight players on each team and there's seven referees. I can't believe it. I'm like, and I think all of their, I think they had to be doing it volunteering. They have to. And yeah. the stadium was like a, a not even a third full. Oh wow! I mean, so yeah, yeah there's that. Not cool, man. Not cool. It's definitely not cool. Yeah. I was doing so, some uh, some yeah. cardio boxing tonight, which I also did on Monday. That was pretty fun. It's a really tough workout. Cardio boxing is that what you said? Yeah, a, a place called Title Boxing. They give you a first class free, and then. You can also get a group on for six classes for like thirty-five bucks, and I was kind of scared of it at first. Uh, like it's an hour of just non-stuff, non-stop trying to kill you, but uh, handled it pretty well. It's uh, kind of addicting. I think I'm gonna go back. Really, so you get the endorphin rush afterward. Oh yeah, definitely. This time it lasted like a whole day. Yeah, sometimes I just feel like once I kill it in the gym, I'm like, I need to either A, eat a lot because my metabolism's up and because it sounds really good, or just pound like three or four beers. <laughs> I don't know I don't know what it is. But, uh, I mean, at least I'm working out though, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what shows are you excited about that are going to come out soon? There's a lot that are on the horizon, so I didn't know what uh, trumped, your, trumped your trigger. Is that... Trip your trigger, or trump your, trip, trip your trigger. Sorry, there's a lot of my mind oh. lately. <laughs> Mostly in terms of TV lately, I'm still stuck in that rut of watching almost exclusively children's shows, cartoons, and whatnot. Um, you know, anything that I do get into, I'm gonna binge watch on Netflix or Amazon Video. Uh, the Crown, Young Pope, and I'm waiting on. Uh, Obviously, the upcoming seasons of House of Cards. There's X-Files. Yes, X-Files is coming this year. We were just talking about that earlier. Like, I sent you kind of a, a non-story where, like, hey, we're doing, they're doing um, like an audio book story, like whatever, of like Scully's Adventures or something like that. You're like, yeah, that's great, Nick, but when are they going to announce the new season? And then like, <laughs> yeah. a couple of weeks later, like, yeah, we just announced the new season. And do you know that 16 million people were watching, like, on average, every episode of last season. I mean, that's like the second biggest uh, show on uh, regular network TV. It's, it's crazy. Well, that's incredible. And there seems to have been a 
huge mixed reaction to that series, you know, the, the remake of it, and I, I think both of us loved it. I saw a lot of critical articles in the media that they seemed to be expecting something other than what it really is, but I know oh, that last episode was so crazy with the epidemic, I think it was, and the, the mm-hmm. UFO coming down. It's, they, they left it on a huge cliffhanger. And that, that's where everyone has a problem with it. It's kind of like, well, we haven't seen you guys, you know, I don't know how long of the hiatus was, 10 years or something like that, and it's like, well, let's just end on a cliffhanger. It's like, come on. I think your fans deserve at least a little bit more than that. And I will say that I liked more and more of the quirky comedy uh, adventures that they get themselves in as opposed to the whole conspiracy because they're always be a conspiracy especially the larger one that's always in the background of the entire series like who abducted his you know his sister blah 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 oh yeah how far ranging is this etc that'll always be there i don't think you need to essentially focus i think a lot of it i think in my opinion i i think the quirkiness the like the werewolf episode or i don't know I think that X-Files, that werewolf like, episode it, was genius. <laughs> it was genius, I will say, and I I'm not exactly sure if they had a different um, writer on that episode or not, but I thought that that was just like it was stellar. So I hope they bring more of that back. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, coming up to span end of 2017, beginning of 2018, I think. So that's usually correct. there's not a lot of uh, good new stuff coming out in that time frame, so that'll be nice. I know sweeps is coming up in May, so that'll be some series finishing up and then house of cards season five is coming in june of this year i'm just not sure how they're gonna top uh the craziness of what's going on in the real world right now you know that was a lot of what they're saying though too and i was kind of reading up on that i was like i think that's what they're they're gonna do too i think frank underwood is going to basically be donald trump with a devious plan and who's actually smart and who, who just creates power like outright, and he and he has a, a a plan, an outright plan, for what he for what it is he's trying to do, you know what I mean? I, I don't when you look at Trump, I don't I don't see that there's anything like that. I don't I mean I don't think that there's there's any rationale behind a lot of things that he does, but I, I mean if they did that with that show, it'd be it'd be horrible. <laughs> so I mean I like the cat and mouse games, you know, and the backstabbing and like, you know, um, I I think that's what I mean. I know House of Cards is a remake of that British uh, TV series, which was only like three episodes long. But um, I forget. I mean, did you watch the the British one? I did not. Um, I think my I had a buddy of mine that watched, it and he told me about. It. He's like, "Don't you know this is a remake?" I'm like, I had no idea. Uh, and that's when it kind of first came out, and I was like, "Interesting." But I'm like, "Do I really want to go back and watch a show that'll probably remind me completely?" But would it be interesting to see the differences between you know? British society as opposed to, you know, American uh, geopolitics or what have you. So I, I Yeah, mean, I don't want to, since you haven't seen the original, I don't want to spoil too much about either, but I was just realizing, having seen the original, that, you know, even though Frank Underwood can't be an irrational, ill-informed character the way uh, Trump is, it would fit kind of the series... Um, the way the British one went, where things are just kept on devolving into crazier and crazier and more power-hungry stuff. I, I think you're right that it would work for him to uh, do it in a, a well-informed and planned-out, logical way, but he keeps grabbing more and more power 
uh, and exercising it in a Machiavellian way, um, and just kind of devolving into those circles of hell. <laughs> I think it actually, the more I think about it, it actually could mirror the current events just without some of the, uh, a couple personality traits, I guess. No, yeah, I mean, I, again, you know, I think a lot what, what made, I think season three even really good in my opinion was when they brought Claire, that character played by um, Robin Wright, um, into the fold as more of a, a major character. And there's that balance now. And I, 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 I just love the fact that those two are together and that they're trying to reconcile and, you know, even when we're trying to put on a facade or whatever, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah, and, and Claire's going to take on an even greater role, at least in some respects. She's going to be uh, <laughs> huge by the end of it, and I can already see the machinations working. And actually, since I've gone back and rewatched uh, the first couple of seasons as well, there are some things where she even started setting up some of her own plotting in the first couple seasons that I didn't notice the first time. Um, I, I think by the end, a lot of people who haven't seen the original are going to be very, very surprised. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot that there's very different. I mean, just all of the details that go into it are, are completely different, you know, even just from being, you know, American versus British politics, but just the overall arching, uh, you know, way the plot is going to go, you can, you can make some comparisons. But at any rate, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Have you? Or, do you know anything about American Gods at all? Like, have you read the book? Uh, no. But I was actually, I was like about. To, I I really want to go out and buy it, and I I've heard that it, it may be a good idea to do that. And I, I don't know. I think I think it's too late for me to go to go out and I, I think I want to see it too. Yeah, long. I think it's too late for me to pick it up and read it too since it's coming up on us quickly here. I mean that basic premise of these I guess they have a correlation with the Greek gods, but they're you know, I guess their own entities within American society and they mm -hmm. have some of their own quirky traits of their own. If I recall correctly, at least one of them is rooted in an African god as well. I love that stuff. I love that mythology, and you know that's that's the reason why I should have picked it up. I've just been really really busy lately. There's too many other distractions, to be honest with you. Um, I I would say Sandman. Sandman. I I've read that. Fantastic. I think there's a lot of momentum behind that. Um, just from Ward alone and the talent behind this, and it's like, gosh darn it! Now I have to go out and get stars now just because of one TV show. Thanks a lot. Um, what about um, Game of Thrones? Yeah, Game of Thrones Season 7 comes out in July. If I recall correctly, mm -hmm. there's going to be a Season 8 as well. Um, man, I haven't been able to glean hardly anything from these trailers other than the people that are sitting on the various thrones now are setting up for a showdown, but it's clearly quickly going to turn into everybody against you know those beyond the wall as well. So... Well, the okay. So they released um, some images and like a really quick teaser trailer, I believe, online. They even released a still shot of what's her name, Gilly, who's holding like a manuscript while she's in the library with. Oh Sam. yeah. And it, I can't remember English, exactly that's what that's on purpose, what that's called. You know, the uh, she was looking at. They did on a purpose, and I guess it's about a prophecy about called the Azor Sai, I think. But it's basically um, 
it basically <laughs> deals with how there will be a, a force of good that comes out and will conquer everything or whatever. I think I think it basically just sums it up by just saying Jon Snow is the 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 one, the true, you know, reborn yeah. king or whatever. So there's a lot of uh rumblings on the internet for that. I didn't read that far into it, but um but I'm I'm super excited for the new season. There's gonna be I think seven episodes this season and then six the following and then they're done. And they're already talking about um, a prequel series, which would be um, held like 200 years in the past, is the angle they're trying to go with. Um, so it's still have ramifications to what we know that's going to happen or end up happening in Game of Thrones, but they're going to call it something else. Um, so it's interesting. So I mean, especially, I mean, it's it's an event. It's event television. That's what Game of Thrones is. It kind of, it took, it made HBO that was, you know, known for episodic, you know, TV series like Sopranos and that sort of thing, and then catapult them into another level, in my opinion, um, with Game of Thrones. It's like you know you have big budget television. It's it's awesome, and I can't wait. I, just, I also wanted to mention in regards to the the books. I think uh, it's the the sixth book, The Winds of Winter, who which has been delayed forever for a, a few years now, and it seems like. George R. R. Martin has no signs of finishing it anytime soon, and at one point I was like, I, I need him to release the rest of these books. But you know, now that the show is surpassing the books, and uh, you know, he's given them the broad overview of how he he wants it to end. Uh, I've kind of given up on you know having even any desire for any more books to come out. I'm comfortable now with. It seems like either he has no desire to keep writing or he has so many different threads going that it's too tough to pull them all together at the end that I'm now just comfortable being like look he can do whatever fun he wants for the rest of his life this ending to the TV show is going to be the definitive ending for the Game of Thrones so yeah I yeah I think I think so too I know I, I would know if like you know some fans would just have a hard time with like gosh just I want to know what the actual author that started this whole thing really thinks or wants to happen. So uh, there is some curiosity that's still left there, but you know, I, I know what you're saying. I, and I, I've been more a fan of the. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, now show, so. in terms of superhero shows, I know we both dislike um, uh, Marvel TV shows because of their slow, slow pacing. We saw Krypton is about to come out. I believe your phrasing for <laughs> your opinion of this is, why get excited about a TV series based on a mediocre movie that lives in a universe where true color is a thing of the past? And I thought that was a, a perfect description. Well, yeah, it's it's weird because I I like what the... Okay, let me tell you something. WB, Warner Brothers, they know how to market a movie or a TV show or what have you. They, they, they really understand. And if you look... They, they can make one of the worst movies of all time, looking at you, Suicide Squad, into into one of the most intriguing-looking movies out there. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a game-changer for DC, blah, blah, blah. And we were all fooled again. And it's like, even like Batman v Superman or, you know, um, Man of Steel obviously started it all out. But I'm like, we, we all as fans always reach for excuses. We're like, well... 
you know, he's not Superman yet until he 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 returns after being dead, and and then then he's gonna have to go off and do this, and he's, he'll, he'll he'll be like nice, and there'll be colors again, and everything will be bright, and just like the comic books. I'm like, well, that is, you know, living in a Zack Snyder world, I just don't see that happening. And if, I, I mean, I really wanted to. There, I mean, there's always that hope, but no. And when I when I see this, like they they release this trailer for a prequel series about his grandpa what's his legacy what's he all about i'm like well you know it's like well we all know he dies so it's like well there's that but it's like oh he's in that that weird planet <laughs> where there's like kind of dinosaur-esque creatures and the production i'm not gonna lie actually looks pretty darn good for a movie i thought once i heard it was coming out would be like a really low budget or they would try really hard to make it a low budget uh, a TV series, but gosh, they they seem to put like, a lot of money into these weird looking sets, like a Krypton. It's like it's like saying, "Hey Ben, do you want to go to Mars?" It's like, well, yeah, Mars is a different planet, so that'd be kind of cool. But after about a day, you'd be like, "Wow, there's outside of this oxygen we brought with us, there's nothing really to do here." You know what I mean? There's just it's just there's and again, it's it's like a color thing. It's like uh, the the muted colors that that are that Zack Snyder's in love with. They just don't make any sense to me. It's not. I don't think he, he doesn't understand Superman, and that that's that pisses me off. So, there's that. Yeah, I I had originally thought we were gonna co- talk comics next, but this is a great segue into the DC movie universe. I mean, first of all, it, it's very strange that even though it looks like this Krypton show is gonna be well produced, that you've got the Supergirl show that everybody seems to agree. Um, you know, hit the right tone mm-hmm. uh, in terms of plot and in terms of the vibrancy of its colors and day to day interactions. But then, even though people thought they got that right, they're still going with the grim dark movie universe for the Krypton show. That's just sort of weird. But it is. It is very weird, and it's not just that. I mean, let's not forget that the Superman they brought into the Supergirl show is the light, you know, Superman. You know, he's not serious he's not he doesn't the world that they live in and how they interact with the world is it's a lot more passive and i know that dc is trying to ground their characters etc but and i really hope this justice league movie takes itself out of that whatever funk that they're in and just you know say hey let's just have fun let's you know these characters yeah, they, you can be taking them seriously from time to time, but not, you know, the entire movie. It's just kind of like a drag, you know, after a while. Yeah, and my my fear is that the Justice League after Suicide Squad is going to be a mixture of the overly dark aesthetic of Batman versus Superman with the shallow feedback that they've gotten from Suicide Squad, that they're trying to mix some of that lightheartedness of the Suicide Squad into it, but they're kind of forcing it. And I've gotten that impression from at least one of the trailers that they're doing that. Um, <laughs> so it might end up being something awkward. Of, of course, I've, as I always say with these DC movies, I'm, I'm always going to give it a, a fair shot right off the bat. Um, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely going to go see it and hope that I'm going to love it and be blown away by it. I'm just trying to pick up clues of what's going to happen here. Oh, totally. And I I agree. I, I, I'll definitely be in theater opening day, or if I find pre-screening tickets, I'll definitely be there. It's it's just like, I can't... Okay, let's just think about this. When we watch 
Avengers or we watch any of those other team-up movies, none of them have been especially good. Let's just, I mean, Avengers was considered good because it was basically deemed as one of the first to do that on that grand scale. Like, you actually took the time to build these characters and you, now you're putting them into a movie. Like, that makes sense. But as a movie, Avengers itself, it just it sucks. I mean, I mean, it wasn't a really intriguing storyline. Um, I mean, you, you have... Every character seemed too big for each other. You know, like, like, I mean, like, you already see them in a particular light, and now it's kind of like, if you take away any of the screen time than what you're used to in those individual movies, it feels like they're, you know, they're, oh, they're part of a team now, but it's like, well, you know, I, I grew, I kind of become accustomed to them being a bigger player, you know, etc. So, I don't know. It's, I, I haven't seen a good team-up movie in, that hits all the right cylinders, and I will say, um, there's one exception. And I will say Guardians of the Galaxy is that exception. And I, But the thing about Guardians of the Galaxy is that you, they didn't do individual movies. No one really knew these characters at all. It was, it, it was particularly an obscure comic book property at that point. And they did the same thing um, with Iron Man. I mean, I, I mean, well, I mean, Iron Man was more popular, but he was, I mean, he was still pretty obscure to most people. I don't remember Iron Man being a huge deal no. at all before the Marvel mm -hmm. movies. Mm -hmm. But since you brought up the Guardians of the Galaxy, I was reading an interview with uh, Chris Pratt yesterday, who of course plays Star-Lord in the Guardians of the Galaxy. And he was saying that, well, first of all, it's very difficult to make a superhero movie in the first place. So to the extent that most people love and are blown away by the Avengers, it's a miracle that they happened this. But he was also saying that he generally likes the DC movies, but he feels that the big difference between the DC movies and the Marvel movies is that Marvel, as everybody says, they took the time to build up these individual character franchises one by one. Three Iron Man movies, a couple different Thor movies, a couple different Captain America movies, and then they did the Avengers. And of course, the one exception to that would be the Guardians of the Galaxy, like you were just talking about, five new characters. And I, I feel like that worked because the, these five characters didn't have the burden of expectations that ginormous characters like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash do. Oh yeah, I agree. And you know, it's not just that. I think when Marvel actors taking the time with all the rest of its characters and building them up, they can now take those risks with those um, those properties that, that are more obscure that you know that are that are interesting you know and I and I know that's what Suicide Squad was I know that's I mean that's that's essentially what what you know DC's response was to that I know it was they they wanted something that's interesting but they also wanted to somehow always reference it to Batman so they had Joker in there and they had Batman in there for a minute and it's like okay like I really wish that DC would just get off the whole Batman train I mean it's it's driving me crazy. I mean, it's I, I understand Batman's great, but I, I just think that you have so many more characters. Like, let's... I mean, like, the other day... Well, maybe not the other day, maybe months ago, I was talking about Booster Gold. Like, and now they're, they're hopefully going to make that into a movie. And, like, no one knows about Booster Gold, but if they actually went and researched, like, what that character's all about, they'd be like, wow, that would really translate really well with the movie. And actually, you could probably even include another superhero character... A superhero character that he can interact with. I don't know. Just an idea. 
But I mean, Marvel's almost like in coast mode right now. It's like, hey, we can do this, we can do that. It's like, I mean, and I get back to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Jeff Goldblum, man. <laughs> I, I mean, and that trailer was so good uh, for, um, oh, not Jeff Goldblum, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm thinking of Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, My, that's me. the one he's in. Sorry, yeah, so he was in that, and I'm like, gosh, he's, he's just, they're, like, they're probably just like, hey, Jeff Goldblum, be Jeff Goldblum in this movie. And then he's probably just having a ball, and I and I love him. And they just announced today, or maybe this morning, that he's going to be in Jurassic World two. And so, um, I'm very excited for that. I know I'm, I'm going on a tangent here, but I um, I love Jeff Goldblum. So if he's in any movie, I I likely go see it, even if it's Independence Day, two, which was horrible. <laughs> it was so bad. Don't even. Oh my gosh, it's a hate crime. Oh yeah, I, Jeff Goldblum has turned into somewhat of a national treasure and his character in the original Jurassic Park is just glorious and the, <laughs> that smarmy laugh of his in the helicopter oh. <laughs> 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 yeah I just I mean when you have him in the fly he's had such a story a weird career and you have him in um, oh my gosh why can't they give me anything right now Invasion of the Body Snatchers he was also in Death Wish which I thought was really weird he played a, like a one of really bad dudes, like, and that was his first role. He didn't even have a line. He played a really creepy rapist, and he got he. Oh yeah, I. I mean, he he's been around for, God, since the mid seventies. Uh, I I know you know this because I know you've seen the show, where he's creepy but so hilarious. Um, is it isn't it called the League? The show about the final oh, yeah, final yeah. or not Final Fantasy Fantasy Football, fantasy football? yeah. Oh yeah, so he plays uh, Ruxin's dad. He plays um, gosh, why can't they give the actor's name? But he he's hilarious, and he's he guest stars in a, a few episodes, and he was in a another TV series just recently too. I can't think of it, but no, you're right. Jeff Goldblum. Is, and the, the scene that keeps sticking out in my mind is where Ruxin is having a hard time having a baby with his wife, so his dad, played by Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> offers <laughs> to be as a, a donor. <laughs> I'm not sure <laughs> whether it was by you know um, artificial insemination or Smart otherwise, man. but <laughs> um, yeah, she was hot too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, even thinking about like you know like those legendary actors, like and you know, and this actor's actually in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, uh, Kurt Russell. So like Kurt Russell. I mean, you look at his career, and, like, he's in, like, you know, I would say, like, the later part of his career, but he's just still churning up, like, excellent performances, and he's just such a, again, he's a, he's another, you know, treasure. And speaking of that, they're going to have, I think, also, Sylvester Stallone in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that'll be really good. Too. So it's basically a, a Tango and Cash reunion. Well, that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is coming out May 5th. Uh, next superhero movie after that is Wonder Woman on June 2nd. I know we're both looking forward to that. And I, th- I think a lot of people are hoping that that's the one that they get right. Yeah, I think that that, I mean, for DCs, I, and it'd be weird, you know, I'm kind of also asking myself, I mean, I'm playing a chess game, I'm like, okay, well, so if, let's just say Wonder Woman's fantastic. Then they're like, okay. This is completely different than Justice League. What are we going to do? Then they're going to be like, oh man, we need to go do reshoots again. 
and try to like tear up the movie and then like ruin. I, mean, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just wonder what's gonna end up happening. And I, God, God, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm really excited for the 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 prospect of a Flash movie coming out though soon, as well. So I just. Ah. Yeah, I, th- I think the tentative release for Flash currently is in 2019 due to them switching directors so often. Um, so the rest of the DC movies for this year are, like I said, Wonder Woman June 2nd, Justice League Part 1 coming out on November 17th for DC. Uh, that's it for this year. Aquaman's coming de- in December of next year, and then The Flash is supposed to be the next wow. one after that. Wow, really? A year gap? Yeah, wow. they, I, I'm imagining that something's going to be slid up in the production schedule there. Well, there's the thing where they're talking about um, The Rock and Henry Cavill play Superman. Are they seriously uh, talking about the, the Rock and Henry Cavill uh, facing off? In a movie, yeah. So they want to make a Black Adam movie with Superman in it as well. And Black Adam is a, a Shazam villain, right? Correct, and they wanted to do a Shazam movie first, but they're all like, no, they couldn't get a story off the ground because Shazam's kind of weak, in my opinion. He's a ripoff of Superman, and there's only basically, you know, two fundamental changes between him and Superman. One is a kid, and then there's magic involved. But the thing is, the right, I always ask myself this, too, like, oh, The Rock has been casted as Black Adam in a Shazam movie. Wow, The Rock, one of the biggest action stars and, like, one of the biggest people alive. Who is going to play Shazam? Who's going to beat The Rock? No one. Yeah. You can't. You, you can't. So then just yeah, don't The popular it. theory that I heard was that he was going to end up playing both Black Adam and Shazam, which would be kind of crazy. But, but Speaking of uh, dual roles like that, did you hear the news today about Gemini Man? It's um, a movie property that um, I think Will Smith is trying to get, I, I believe, where it's. I think it's called like well, it's basically about an assassin who has to hunt down his, his, the clone of himself that's 25 years younger than himself. But it requires the same actor to play both roles. Interesting. Isn't that... Yeah. Right? Isn't that interesting? But they're going to use CGI to obviously make them look younger. So it'll it'll play on that, you know, wisdom versus, you know, physical prowess, uh, you know, of, of your other... Yeah, it'll be. I just read about it. I thought that was interesting when you mentioned. Yeah. Well, the last thing I wanted to mention about the Justice League movie is that my theory is that those uh, flash forward scenes going through time in Batman versus Superman, uh, where we see, is it Apocalypse that the one that just dis- dis- is ruling that planet? I forget. Um, it's Darkseid. Darkseid is ruling over this post-apocalyptic planet, and you see Superman with his military guard coming up to Batman and being like, you killed Lois! And of course, Superman is an evil character in that vision. Well, I think it's clearly setting up, especially with uh, Superman not appearing in any of these trailers for Justice League, that Justice League Part 2, Superman's going to turn evil after Lois Lane probably will die at some point in Justice League Part 1. Um, okay, let's, we need to talk about that. <laughs> um, like, okay, there, there's two different ways that DC can go about handling this. They, they can go the Injustice route, the video game, the popular video game, which is going to release a sequel in actually a couple of weeks. 
Um, which looks amazing. They're gonna like, have every character. Um, I, I I just have to say like they're kind of in a conundrum because they they know that fans responded to Superman changing his ways and becoming a dictator of sorts. So basically, evil Superman, yeah. right? And finding a, a good reason to do to to, to do that. Um, but when it comes to the movie Superman and where he's at now and the fact that he died, he isn't Superman yet in a lot of people's minds, and I'm sure the creators of the Man of Steel and um, that would be Superman. Because he... Because the public at large was questioning who he is and what he's all about. The fact that he made a sacrifice solidifies... Uh, a theory about Superman, the fact that he is good for the people. So, if they bring him back, he had to be the Superman that we all know and love in the comic books. Yeah. If they don't, it's or if they or if they do and then they change it and they're like, oh well, now he's evil because Super or Lois got killed. It's like, okay, well, what was it all? That we went through two movies for that. <laughs> I mean, like. <laughs> you, I mean, it's I, I it's it, it'll be interesting, and I I think that I love the Injustice storyline, and I'm a huge Superman fan. I'm the biggest. I I but I think I I like to do like an else. I think I, I love if movies, the comic book movies, would get to the point where we can do else world movies where like nothing is canon. Like every movie is kind of or a movie can be a one off. It's not. It doesn't have to be like part of the. The, the true storyline that we all know, you know, like like the Avengers, you know, like this happened in Captain America and it also happened in Iron Man and blah, 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 blah. Well, what what can't we just have like, you know, excuse me, um, like those really popular comic book story arcs that weren't canon in the comic books but were just really, really popular outright like um, uh, Old Man Logan or um, like those direct stories instead of hearkening to them, just do them outright. I wish that I think I wish that Hollywood would have more balls. You know what I mean? I wish that that they would do that. Oh, I completely agree. And I think one Elseworlds story that I'd particularly like to see from Superman is Superman Red Sun, where instead of oh, uh, Clark yeah. Kent landing in you know Kansas, he lands in Soviet Russia. So his his worldview is completely different. Um, it's been a while since I've read it, so I can't go through all the details, but suffice it to say, <laughs> there we go with that phrase again, it's, it's very interesting and a nice twist, and it would be a fantastic one-off movie. Yeah, I mean, or even like, when you have like those year-long stories, like, um, gosh, what was the last Wonder Woman uh, that I really, really enjoyed? Uh, Legend of Wonder Woman. Borrow. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was a real, yeah, I, I was even thinking about a year before that. Uh, Legend of Wonder Woman is probably I think if they did a movie off of just that there, there's your movie like there is your origin tale like like in a in the bag like that it, it, that that comic book I think it was eight or nine issues read exactly like a movie and it read and it read so well and it was intricate and it was the, the characters were complex and um, it was funny when it needed to be and serious when it needed to be like it was a very nicely balanced comic book and you know I I, I just like, yeah I just I wish that that instead of just hearkening to a, you know a large idea within the comic books 
just do it outright. Just do that storyline and make it a three or four movie, you know, series. You don't, you know, it's you don't need to change everything up or just to appease fans. I, or I don't know what they're doing to be honest with you. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. So, I, I, I'm sorry. You are you're you're the host here. So you tell me what you would like to talk about next. <laughs> well, I I didn't want to run down. Let people know for Marvel movies, the ones that are coming out the rest of the year. I already mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy two on May fifth. Spider Man Homecoming is coming July seventh, and then Thor Ragnarok on November third. And those are all look, shaping up to be great movies to go see. In regards to Thor, I think they're going to have some extra characters in there uh, from the uh, you know the, the multiple realms from Norse mythology. One that I'm really hoping uh, will make a cameo would be Angela of Asgard. Uh, she was originally pulled in from the Spawn series. Like Marvel purchased her character from Spawn and brought her in as an Asgardian character, and then she became Queen of Hell before Marvel canceled her comic book series. But she would be wow, a very interesting uh, character to add to that. But we'll see. And then, I guess not to spend too much time on it, but uh, what are some of the other non-comic book movies that you're uh, looking forward to that are coming up? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, okay. So, <laughs> I'm going to pull up a list really quick here so I can remind myself. But the first thing that comes to mind... Uh, is Alien Covenant. Now I'm a, I'm a big. I don't really like horror films that much. I don't, you know, I don't really go out to go see them. But if it has a sci-fi element, it, I you, you better bet your bottom dollar I'll go see it. So um, I'm really excited for that. I think that the the ramifications for Alien Covenant, it's it's. I can't explain it. I I think if you haven't seen. The original Alien movie. Have you seen the originals? No, the one Alien movie that I've seen is Prometheus, and I really mm-hmm. liked that movie. I've always thought that I wouldn't be able to stomach these chest bursters and everything from the regular Alien <laughs> well, movies. It's it's really weird because, you know, not only because that the artist that inspired a lot of the sets for Alien and for, for most of the series was H.R. Giger, um... And what's so great about him is that, um, and and what the the director knew, really Scott knew what to do with his vision is create venereal horror. Now, it it it's psychological. It's not it's not just when you see a gory movie, someone's head gets chopped off or their guts are on the table. This is venereal horror. You you think psychologically, and and it's like. You you feel like you're you've been infested somehow in in a really weird violated way. Now that's the horse aspect. Now, the sci-fi aspect of Alien is almost um, when we talk about like hubris and when we talk about human aspirations uh, for or, or race and going off and doing those particular things. And it tries to answer or be philosophical in in. in I guess in those stories, so that that that's the sci-fi aspect of it, and I think Prometheus was a lot more sci-fi, excuse me, than it was particularly horror, and I think maybe like the third act it kind of fell apart, but um, the questions that it raises is they're they're amazing, 
they're, I mean, I, that's why I like it so much. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to, um, let's see here, um, the King Arthur movie, because I'm a huge Excalibur movie fan. Awesome. Like, not, I mean, I, I mean, I like the King Arthur mythology. I've always liked it in the different iterations, but this is going to be a Guy Ritchie movie. So it's going to be a totally different take on King Arthur and maybe, like, fast-paced, witty dialogue. Well, I mean, we'll see. So I'm definitely excited for that. Um, the Mummy. The Mummy of Tom Cruise. Now, 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 look. When people... Here's the thing that kind of pisses me off as a pop-cultural purist, as you called me earlier, um, is that when you have a movie like The Mummy, people will say, oh, it's the remake of the Brendan Fraser movie. No. This is a remake from the 1930s Mummy. Like, the, so Universal is... They're, they're very ambitious because they also have the Fast and Furious franchise, which is just breaking all these records right now. But on top of that, they're trying to create their own monster universe like they did back, you know, in the 1920s, or excuse me, 1930s, 40s, you know, with like, you know, the Invisible Man, uh, you got uh, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, Wolfman, that, those sort of things. So they're going to bring all those characters, they want to get them all in the same universe and build them up that way. Well, in this particular movie, you're going to have Tom Cruise. You're going to have Russell Crowe playing like Dr. Jekyll, I believe. Uh, I mean, a big, it's a big, big movie. And I I think that, I'm hoping that this is going to take people by surprise. I think I'm, I'm very hopeful um, for The Mummy. So there's that. Um, shoot. <laughs> I'm actually quasi looking forward to Transformers 5. And I know what most people will say that Transformers is horrible, and they, they are. But I think that there's something about them, if I want to turn my brain off completely, it's usually watching a Michael Bay movie, and um, there's something about Marky Mark that I've always liked, so there's that. Um, <laughs> oh, and there's oh, here's something that you might, might like to talk about. Um, have you seen the War of the Planet of the Apes? The War of the Planet of the Apes is coming out. Have you seen the ones that came before it, or the original Planet of the Apes movies? I've only seen pieces of the originals. When when I was a teenager and they were on AMC or something, they kind of bored me. But I've I've seen the the first two of the modern versions and I like them. And so I am interested in seeing this next one. They're really going to get into the action of real, obviously, war between humans and chimpanzees. So yeah, I'm really see that's it. I mean, so is Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, and then War of the Planet of the Apes for the Planet of the Apes. I mean, so. I think that's going to be the movie that's going to separate, um, well, what happens in the original and what happened just before that, you know. So there's that. Then there's Dunkirk. Latest Christopher Nolan July movie. 22nd. Yes. July 21st. So that movie looks amazing. I just watched the, like, a two-minute trailer for it, and it looks awesome. And I, I think I may go out of my way to drive to a terrible town just because they have an IMAX theater. And, I'm thinking uh, I'm gonna do the same for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I don't. I mean I need to go to IMAX for that. I think this is gonna be a really big, big movie to go uh, to go watch. I mean, and outside of that, I'm trying to think Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and that's probably it for the year right, that I can see so far. Uh, yeah, I believe that's December, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and then then so that's Star Wars Episode Eight. Star Wars Episode Nine has been moved up to May 2019 so it won't be a December release that'll actually be more like the original trilogy was released in the summer 
Now, I was saying that I guarantee you that Episode 8 will have absolutely no character development. It's going to be all action. And you disagreed and thought that there's going to be more character-driven plot here than in Rogue One. And I was curious why you thought that. The thing about Star Wars, outside of maybe a plot point or two, is their overall story arc is, seems to be getting predictable. Um, and when I say that, I mean, um, since they're trying to go back, and they went back and made Force Awakens a lot like A New Hope, brought back a few characters here and there, introduced some new ones. Um, but I think what's so great about this is that they'll, this movie has to answer what happened to Luke Skywalker. What happened all those years ago? What happened to, what, why does Kylo Ren exist? You know, like what, I, and I think that this, if, if I'm thinking that this is gonna be a part of a trilogy series, um, it, it could be one of those darker Star Wars movies where um, before you reach the light, you need to delve into the dark. So I think that this movie, especially with Rey and her parents, th that needs to be answered. So I think with that, with those mysteries surrounding those characters, there needs to be um, more character development. And I think, especially with Rey and Skywalker's relationship and how they relate, um, and their training, etc. I think. I mean, I, I think that when you look back on the original Star Wars, those were the best scenes. I, I mean, when you look at you know uh, Yoda and uh, Luke, and how they related to each other, and how Luke used that knowledge to to uh, end up end up uh, you know defeating his dad. I those are really powerful, and I and I mean, there's just a lot of mystery that's been brought up from the first one, even though it was a mediocre, safe movie. Yeah, for instance, um, who, you start who Ray's to... parents are. Right. Right. I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of mystery there. I think that there, they can, there's a lot to explore and answer. But in doing that, you need to have an interaction. Yeah, and, and George Lucas has said for quite a while that at its core, Star Wars is a family-driven soap opera. You know, for instance, Luke Skywalker and his dad, Darth Vader, and they've got the same sort of thing going on with Kylo Ren and Leia and Han and, um, I'm assuming, you know, Rey and Luke. So I, I, I guess I'm I'm seeing your point here about why they're going to need to do some character development to build these family relationships and create that extra drama. Well, yeah, and, and not just that, I think that um, this director... Um, is a little more what's the word I'm looking for I think that J.J. Abrams who did Force Awakens had a it's, I think it was more easier for him to make that movie because he, all he had to do was call back to what made the original series so great while also introducing some new things so it wasn't like he was particularly risk, risk taking that much I think by, by, by just raising questions and then the answering them part so it's like the journey to get to where our destination should be, and that's the director is uh, Ryan Johnson, um, and I think he did uh, Looper. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that from everything I heard about him and, and experiencing this movie, making it, I, that he really does not want to make any misstep. He'll go back and he will he will reshoot anything that he thinks is is a little bit off. 
he wants to make sure it's the perfect movie and hearing that I'm like okay like I think I feel pretty good this may be in safe hands um now, there are, there are a couple more movies I wanted to mention here. First one is Blade Runner 2, and I know we're both geeked about that. That's Is it October or November? Oh my gosh, I, t- I don't know how I admit that one. Yeah, I think, I think that is, that might be October. But it, it doesn't matter, but it's right around that time frame. The, uh, the trailer, the teaser trailer that we just saw on that, like, my goodness. Like, you see, that director, and that director did Arrival, right? And that cinematographer that he has with him, my goodness. Like, I'm looking at that trailer, I'm like, every single thing I, I'm seeing is like, like, I'm seeing, like, it's just so iconic. Everything looks so iconic, even though I'm seeing it, you know, for like the first time. It's, it's, it's strange. It was like a really nice blend between like, you know, representing what the first one was kind of about and what it looked like, while also like giving us something new entirely. And so I, I'm, gosh, I'm just, that's probably my, my number one most anticipated movie of the year, even though I forgot to mention it because I forgot that it was coming out this year. So. Yeah, that, that's going to be the best one of the year, in my opinion. We've also got, um, Baywatch is going to be pretty fun. Um, <laughs> a movie called Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Um, yeah. So supposedly... Now... Star Wars and the Fifth Element stole elements from this original Valerian graphic novel long ago, and I don't know if that's true or not, but it's going to be this sci-fi, fantasy, really fun stuff. It it looks pretty good. Well, yeah, and the director, Luc Besson, um, or Besson, um, from France, who did did the Fifth Element, who actually directed the Fifth Element, and uh, I believe uh, La Professionnelle, The Professional, both fantastic movies, and I think if he makes it anywhere near the fifth element, I, and I, I saw the trailer for that Valerian movie, and I'm super excited. I, it's kind of, um, it's kind of sneaking up on people. I think it'll sneak up people's radar, and I think that people will be surprised about how good it is. I think it'll be the opposite of what you know, Jupiter Rising, or whatever the heck that movie was, because that movie was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in a long time. I'm not sure if you remember it, but it had that... It's, it's so bad that it scared me off it to Jupiter begin ascending. with. And then, I, and then I started <laughs> watching it, and I was like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to continue watching this thing. It was, it was, it reminded me a bit of some of the really batshit, crazy uh, uh, Chinese fantasy movies, like some Golden Monkey King or something that I started watching on Netflix. I'm like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> And of course, those Chinese ones that I'm talking about have, like, um, special effects that are no better than what we had in the 1990s. So for a modern Wachowski Brothers or Wachowski Siblings movie to be that bad is (laughs) pretty bad. Well, yeah, and I don't mean to, like, keep calling back to it, but I mean, it was, the story was just horrendous. Horrendous. But anyway, I'm saying like the way that that movie came about in the public eye and it, it was like it came and went in theaters for a good reason. And not only that, it had um, Eddie Redmayne playing one of the worst villains of all time. And this was the year he won an Oscar. I mean, that was the year he won an Oscar. I think it was a year or two ago where he is the, it was the worst overacting job I've ever seen in my entire life. 
So there's that. And I hope I'm 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 positive it won't be that bad. Gosh, I don't think anything really can be. But and and then the last one I wanted to mention is a movie called Detroit, and it's going to be a dramatization of some of the events that happened in Detroit during the uh, race riots of the 1960s. I just saw that trailer last week, and it was partly taken in by the uh, Motown band that was on stage for a few seconds. Um, and so being from Michigan, I'm always going to have an interest in that. We'll, we'll see how good that actually turns out, but it's a... Um, that movie uh, is directed by Catherine Bigelow. Ah. And Catherine Bigelow did Zero Dark Thirty. Um, she Highly did, acclaimed. Um, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, she also did Point Break. Yes. Uh, yes, so uh, that was one of her first movies. And, you know, she was married to James Cameron, I believe, for a little bit. And then she made Point Break at, right after she broke up with him, I, I believe. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, it's like, I, I've always loved her movies. Uh, I think that she has a, an eye for storytelling. I think that she knows, she, she just gets it. She just gets it. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I've heard about the movie, I haven't seen the trailer yet, but, um, I'm definitely interested in that. I, I'm always interested in that stuff. Yeah, look um, it up online, man. Now, since you are a, a pop culture purist, I mean, you know just about everything there is to know about movies and you have an eye for being able to compare current movies with, with remakes that are even earlier than the 1980s. And I guess you partially have a, a feeling that pop culture purists are dwindling. Um, but we also got into a discussion of my need to, I guess, watch some of the originals before watching a remake or jumping into the middle of a series like I did with with Alien, where I started watching Prometheus without having seen the first three Alien movies. Um, so I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on why it's important then to watch the original. Or if, as another example, I watched the current Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell without watching the original anime. Okay, um, well first of all, um, did you like the Scarlett Johansson movie? I did. I, it was definitely flawed in some ways, but um, especially in terms of the first half of the movie, there was virtually no character development whatsoever. But as the movie goes further towards the end, it actually does bring in some development, and it's it gets a lot more interesting and actually starts to raise some, I guess, um, more overarching questions about the nature of robot sentience towards the end is clearly setting it up for future movies so i'm hugely interested in in watching the next ones that they come out with but i'm imagining having seen that and seeing how little character development there was in this movie it probably is a better movie the anime one like i'm saying the anime one is a better movie probably um, the, the thing about the anime movie, you see, I think by watching the original, you get a, you get a better context of what the author or director is trying to convey inside of the, I guess the best word would be zeitgeist of, of, uh, our society. So whatever we're going through at that particular time, so 
it's like watching a James Bond movie, right? So you watch like a 1970s James Bond movie, and you're like, wow, this was an actual issue in the 1970s that James Bond is dealing with. That's why this is relevant. You know what I mean? Like if I, when, when you say, I want to go see Ghost in the Shell, I'm like, oh, did you see the original? You're like, no. I'm like, well, did you know that the 1995, you know, anime movie, um, you know, helped spur the Matrix? And you, and you can totally see how it referenced, I mean, almost verbatim to what the Matrix was all about. So if you just watch the movie, you kind of lose that. Well, and, and you're going to start thinking things. And I, I think I did uh, pick up on that a tiny bit where some people who are completely ignorant that the original anime even exists, you could think, oh, well, Ghost in the Shell is the one that ripped off the Matrix. When in reality, it's the reverse. Well, yeah, and, and you mentioned Star Wars uh, was ripped off the Valerian storyline. The thing is, I mean, everyone's inspired from somewhere oh, else. Absolutely. But I think the, the original idea with George Lucas with Star Wars was a Western opera set in space that, that that's all i mean in my opinion that that's what it that's what it was but i mean you can come back to me and you say well most movies are based off books so why don't you read the book first like case in point when you said why don't you read the american gods book by gaiman and i'm like well you know to me it's different because it's the medium in which it's released and i'm not i mean maybe a weird excuse but no, I, I, think I agree that, i think there is a difference between reading the book first and watching a movie, uh, the original movie first. I mean, like you said, it's a completely different medium, and I, I think it. If I get my mind into a more academic mindset, I can start to realize why it would be important to see the original movie before seeing the remake of it. Well, right, yeah, and I know there's. I mean, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm guilty of seeing movies uh, that are essentially technically remakes before the original I mean you know like like the first Ben-Hur you know I, I haven't seen that I saw the Charlton Heston one you know I, I mean I and, and that's just because I'm a product of the, of the time my, my generation you know and the original was released you know I don't I don't want to say the 30s so a long long time ago and it's but I just think that as more and more remakes are released um I think that people <laughs> are just forgetting that, you know, you need to kind of call the industry out by saying, you know what, you know, you just released, you know, this is another Spider-Man movie, this is a remake of Spider-Man, and you just released the last Spider-Man eight years ago, and now it's a remake, and I know that's an extreme example, but, you know, if I look, if you look at all the remakes that are coming out, I mean, it's like, it's ridiculous. You're like, oh my gosh, are you serious? You're gonna remake Bill and Ted's? Like, it wasn't that long ago. It's a classic. Don't mess with it. You're gonna remake Big Trouble Little China? Are you kidding me? Like one of my favorite movies of all time, and you're gonna remake it? It's just, it just tells Hollywood that they're devoid of ideas and they need to try harder. Try to find writers that are that are. Yeah, hungry. the amount of remakes that are coming out is just absurd. And it it did just occur to me that. Um, you know, if they're going to make a terrible remake of a movie, if the general public hasn't seen the masterpiece of an original, 
I'm going to use, well, you, you used Ben-Hur as an example. I'll use The Wizard of Oz as an example because I was just watching it last week and I was stunned by how well a movie from the 1930s still holds up today. Anyway, get back to my point. If the general public hasn't seen the masterpiece of the original, then they're not going to be able to call out the lack of effort and creativity that a studio put into the, the terrible remake. Yeah, and it's like you, I mean, it's kind of like, um, I don't know how else to put this, but it's like one of my favorite movies is uh, Lawrence of Arabia, and if that ever gets remade, I think I'll be, I'll be so upset that I may just quit the movie industry forever. It's like, if you're going to tarnish... If you, it's like remaking Casablanca. I mean, you, you, just, you just don't do it. We're getting to that point where you, you're starting to touch the, the fray of stuff that you shouldn't touch. When you have these clear-cut ideas... Like, if you look... I mean, look, I mean let's, let's talk about one of the most profitable movie series right now is the Fast and Serious... Fast, excuse me, Fast and Furious. Yeah, two beers in. Fast and Furious series where you essentially have a remake of Point Break, but you just involve cars. You have an undercover agent trying to infiltrate a group of people for doing something bad, and, he, and then he gets too close, and they become friends, and things get complicated. And that's ex the exact same storyline in both movies, but most people, I mean, you watch so many movies, you end up picking up on that. But it's like, I just, it's, it's I mean, even even with, I mean, just, I'll bring up another example. There's like, and at least the last time I checked, and I have no idea if they're going to go into production or not based upon what the other person's doing, but um, the last time I checked, there's six Robin Hood movies in development, which is insane. A Robin Hood movie. I mean, and, and these, see, like, I, I could say, go ahead and give me as many James Bonds as you want to give me. Make sure it's the same, I mean, it's going to be the same character, right? But these are, most of them, an origin tale again. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's like saying every 10 years you're going to have a new Batman movie and it'll be an origin tale. Don't you think you're going to get tired of seeing Batman's parents get killed over and over again? We get it. I mean, Superman, uh, his planet blowing up. I, we get it. You know, like you're you're born knowing Superman came from a different planet. At this point, it's like embedded into our DNA. Yeah. At this point, I mean, it's like we just. I wish that they would quit treating us as fools. And that's and that's what I think that they're doing. Or just give us. I mean, and I'm not saying all movies are like this. There's some really good movies that are original that that you know we should pay more attention to. Yeah. So, and in the 21st century, we've got more inspiration to draw from than ever from all of the new industries and scientific advancements to you know all all the different art and stuff we have out there and you know millions upon millions of books that could be made into movies and i guess the the, the amount of inspiration we could draw from is just endless but they just keep going back to what movies have we made before well again it's 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 like they're very business oriented you know it's yeah if they know something's made money in the past then they figure well this is a safe bait bet to make money in the future mm -hmm. so it's all about consumerism at this point it's not about being original and from being a movie fan or a pop cultural purist as you would say 
it offends me on, on some sort of weird level. It's like, um, it, it's not that the art is essentially dead. It's just that more people need to be aware of this. They need to and and you know and just react and say, I'm not going to go see that movie, or I'm not going to go to the theater and shell out ten, eleven dollars to go see a movie that, that I know is a remake. Yeah, I. It's just, you know, if you're that curious, go rent it or wait for it to go on Netflix or something like that. You know, you don't you don't need to go out of your way. You need to protest somehow. Yeah, I think that actually worked you know? with the Ben Hur movie. I know neither of us went to go see it. I mean, I mean, we were tipped off by the ridiculous usage of um, Morgan Freeman in the trailer to begin with, but I, th- I think the general public at large was smart enough to see that it was a you know i guess generic quality and not gonna live up to the original and they voted with their pocketbooks and the guy terrible reviews mm-hmm. yeah I, I, i'm always kind of curious mike i want to ask morgan freeman if he's tired of morgan freeman i bet he is <laughs> i i bet I, i'm tired every day <laughs> like i mean i don't you, you've got to realize that that's that's probably what he's thinking he's just everywhere it's it's overexposure and, and now he's doing like he's in he's in the weirdest stuff now like he's like sometimes I see him in like a direct to video movie and then I'll see him in like a movie or TV series about finding God or something or proving God or whatever it is it's like dude you're everywhere you need to stop like for real like, just just knock it <laughs> off so I don't know but yeah so remakes are a problem sequels are almost as worse Oh, there is something I want to talk about, and I forgot. I kind of well, it's off the cuff. Um, so that Split movie, that M Night Shyamalan movie that came out a couple months ago. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the lead actor on that one. Uh, James McAvoy. Now, I are you do you plan on seeing it? At some point, yeah. I didn't see it in the theater, but I'm gonna catch it on Netflix or I'll buy the DVD. I, I accidentally read the twist online today, and I'm so upset that I did. But I'm also not because it's now I really want to see the movie, like, really bad. Um, oh, I, I have my own guess as to what the twist is, but I don't want to spoil it for anybody. You're not going to get it. There's no way you're going to get it. It came out of left field. There's no way you're going to get it. So, like, I'm like, I... Uh, <laughs> God, I really want to talk about and I don't want to spoil it. Oh, no, that's but, right. Um, I remember I did read about it. It ties into another Shyamalan movie. And my, my... Yes, that, that's all I should say. That's all I yeah. should say. And, I, and I'll say this much, that, that he made an announcement today that there's going to be a sequel to one of his movies, but it's not only going to be a sequel to that particular movie, it'll also act as a sequel to Split. Oh, man. So it'll be, it'll be, the, it'll be the first movie... That's essentially a sequel to two movies at the same time, which is bizarre. Is M so, rebuilding um, his reputation here? So that that was that was a question I got asked. It's like, why is he why why is he doing a sequel now? Like, what happened? I go, well, his career for like the last you know ten years has been failing because of his kids. What are you talking about? Well. He would listen to his kids based upon his movie choices. Lady in the Water, um, The Happening, uh, Avatar the Last Airbender or whatever the heck that was. Like, these are terrible. Once you start doing movies back on your own, you, you start to have success. Like, uh, uh, 
what was it the grandma the grandma movie you had the devil which he produced then uh, he, he did that show um, um, the wayward pines um, he did split obviously I'm remembering uh, one involving Dakota Fanning years ago at least 10 years ago the village I think right? so yeah, it could have been another one but no 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 oh 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 you're talking about signs yeah 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 that's a good movie I like that movie a lot I think that's classic Shyamalan uh, but I always thought it was funny towards the end where it's like you know just throw some water on him. It's like, hey, 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 aliens! Did you not realize that seventy percent of our planet is covered in the thing that you cannot be around? <laughs> it, it's a little ridiculous, but other than that, I think it's um, one of the first horror movies to kind of really use um, super realism uh, in in their in their movies. It's, for instance, like when Walking Phoenix is watching TV and he sees those kids, like kind of like freaking out in the classroom and then there's a home video camera recording them and then it shows what the, the home video camera is recording and you see an alleyway and then you see like an alien just like walk by stop turn and just like a really really creepy look and then keep on walking and it was like it was the creepiest thing ever i don't i don't know how else to describe it but um a scene like that and you say oh this is broadcast live blah 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 here's here's the footage that is a technique that filmmakers use to heighten your sense of suspense you know you know may make you more freaked out like oh man this could this could really happen it's on the news you know <laughs> so 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 yeah I, um, I'm, I'm hopeful for uh, Shyamalan again I, I, I think that if if he's doing this I, I, I gotta be on board right absolutely so, oh, since we're on the, the topic of that sort of weird stuff have you ever had a supernatural or a cryptid or a UFO experience yourself? Uh, outside of the, uh, the abuse, um, I would say no. Um, I'm trying to think. No, I, I don't think I have. I think I, I think I really wanted it to happen that I end up like, you know, like, imagining it happening to the point where I almost believed it, but then I just realized I'm an idiot. Yeah, I told a, a, a similar story uh, on one of my previous podcasts about, like, when I was somewhere between 8 and 10 years old, and my brother and I had been reading some scary stories, things about how, you know, sort of like Bloody Mary, if you say a ghost's name a certain amount of times in the dark then they'll they'll appear and so well you know we really wanted this to happen and so we made ourselves believe it would happen but and the, like you said then you end up believing but you come to realize you're an idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah because i mean because you have to think like hey, really like if i do this around someone else can it can at least be a witness someone it's kind of like that i just was reading i was not reading i was uh listening to the radio like the other day and they're like Hey, did you hear what happened? Like, what are you talking about? Like, well, I guess, you know, last year they had, like, a record number of sightings for the Loch Ness Monster. But this year, they haven't had none. They haven't had any. That's incredible. Well, it's, I'm like, well, so what? what's changed? They're like, well, they're saying, well, Nessie, that's what the monster's name is, must be in hiding or something. <laughs> you know, like, we don't. Like that, 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 that was their, their, their explanation, <laughs> not, it doesn't exist. Like, you know, 
that could be, you know, I think that people really, really want to believe in things like that because it's, because they're, I think in large around about them, they're, they're, they're bored. They didn't, I mean, they're, they're bored. People, how bored, how bored, I mean, like, like, like that one comedian said, like, how bored are we? Just, I mean, we make up things. We want to believe them so much that, I mean, why do we go to horror films? Why, why do we watch so many movies? Because we want to, we want to feel a particular way that, that we just, well, we're not feeling. Indeed. I'm going to save a couple questions that I had for you for a future episode, just for the sake of time, but we've got the NFL draft coming up Thursday night, and I know this podcast will be posted after the NFL draft or in the middle of it, but uh, since the first round is Thursday, who do you want the Patriots to draft? Absolutely no one. No one. <laughs> I, I, I think that I think that they um I want them to do the trading after a team acquires that particular player. I think that they're better at trading or getting players than they are drafting players. Um but I mean especially this off season and even today there's been a lot of news today though too. We need to talk about that. So Adrian Peterson to the Raiders, or excuse me, Adrian Peterson to the Saints, Marshawn Lynch yep. to the Raiders. Isn't Malcolm Butler's deal with the Patriots up in the air? Yeah, and, and, it, and it will continue to be up the air, up the air, <laughs> up in the air because um, no one's willing to fork up that much. So he's going to stay. We're going to have um, Stefan Gilmore who they paid a lot of money for. We have Brandon Cooks, we just got. Um, we got, I mean, we got, we got, we did really, really good this off season, in my opinion. We got uh, Rex Burkhead. That, that's a s- sneaky good steal there. Oh, fantastic good steal. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, oh, we just got Mike Gillisley. Mike Gillisley was the, <laughs> the secondary back from the Bills under Shady McCoy. So, um, but he, he put up some big numbers. And I think that the Patriots realized that and definitely want to use... They have four running backs. Or five, four or five running... They have five running backs currently with LeGarrette Blunt. Wow. Blunt that, that, like, can do damage. And it's like, what do you guys... Okay, like, all right. Um, but in regards to the draft, like, you know, I asked a friend... <laughs> I go, hey, hey, do you want to watch a terrible movie? Uh, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I can't. You know, why? The draft, man. I'm like, okay, wait. Like, I, I can understand, like, the first, like, the first or second round, but, like, the entire weekend? He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? Really? You're going to, like, fo- you're gonna like center your entire weekend around an NFL draft? Seriously? I'm like, you can look it up. Like, you can look it up live. You can have it, not- you can have it be pinged to your phone. This person's been picked. Like it's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. I don't get draft when, parties. When I was in high school and college, I'd kind of center my whole weekend around it. And last year, I protested that I wasn't even going to bother to pay attention to the first round because uh, you know it's kind of fifty-fifty or even less odds that your player in the first round is going to pan out, but. I think, like you said, with these mobile notifications, that's the easiest way to stay on top of it. You can go do whatever fun things you're going to do. You don't have to wait 15 to 20 minutes between each pick. <laughs> and, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, the buildup is horrible. I mean, and it's just like, 
what is so fascinating? Oh yeah, I can't wait for the phone call. And of course, oh, well, the, the analysis is always, you know, just some talking heads saying nothing but good things about each pick without anything negative about them. Even though the lead up to the draft is all, oh, this negative thing about this guy, this negative thing. Except for Mitch Trubisky, of course, this Trubisky guy who came out of nowhere. Don't know anything about him from last season, but all of a sudden he's supposed to be the first pick in the draft. Come on. Well, did you follow like those Wonderlick tests that those players take? I had or to take one uh, not too long ago for part of a job interview. It was pretty interesting. Really? I, my thought was, what <laughs> what the hell relation does this have to football? But um, no, I don't really. I haven't paid attention to what scores the players get on those things. Well, I just saw Deshaun Watson got like a twenty-two, and Tom Brady when he. Answered, he got 33. I mean, so it's like, I don't know. They, I, I'm not gonna say. I think if you do higher than like a 19, like they think that you're you're good enough to yeah. go. Yeah. You know, I think you can drop a couple spots if you're not you know high enough on that test. I think Vince Young was the lowest score ever. I, I don't remember if he scored a zero, but it was really really bad. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. So basically, he's uncoachable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what it says, though. I mean, like, how how quick do you can you be on your feet? You know, do you make good decisions? Do you follow guidance? That sort of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I can see it being a job re- requisite. Requisite. Well, uh, the biggest position I can see it being a prerequisite for is the quarterback position because. Somebody like Tom Brady or Peyton Manning who, you know, they, they study the game and all the plays and have them memorized and they they know what to do in certain coverage situations and what tip-offs the defenses are giving before the snaps. And if, if you're not smart enough to pick up on those things, you're, no matter how good your arm is, you're just not going, going to be able to play that position as well as somebody who does have the smarts to do it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, that is the that makes complete sense. You know, you you get a lineman in there, you're <laughs> it's like, well, man, I got a thirty three on the Wonderlick test. That's great for you. Go, <laughs> go get your, your face smashed in. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm imagining the lines will go with defense in the first round, probably a defensive lineman, and some people around here want. Uh, Jabril Peppers to be drafted out of Michigan. Of course, he just had that technically failed drug test based on the diluted sample. <laughs> Which I, I always think is kind of stupid that the NFL is penalizing people so much over this one. You've got not only states like Michigan where medical marijuana is legalized, but you've got places like you know, Seattle and Colorado where recreational marijuana is legalized. So the law says it's okay, but the NFL says it isn't. Well, that's stupid in my book, but hey. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's dumb. But I mean, I think... I mean, let's be honest. If, if you want to get into the NFL and you know what it you need in order to get there... And you know you're, you're you may be the best at what you do at the particular moment. You you gotta at least not screw around, no matter if it's legal. And and I know it's backwards. The rules don't make any sense. But if you want to get into the NFL, you should be smart enough to know what you need to do. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. I mean, 
the league makes no secret of what its expectations are and what the media's expectations are in relation to public reactions. So I, I guess players really don't have an excuse for knowing what they're getting into and the, the fact that they need to play by the rules of the people who are going to be paying them millions of dollars. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it, like him, Marshawn Lynch. He's about to finalize his deal with the Raiders, but he needs to pass a physical. But his his sugar may be too high because too high because he eats too many skills. <laughs> so we'll see. It was, I'm still on the fence to see if he gets in or not. But uh, I remember there was that one game where <laughs> he was puking on the sideline because he ate too many skittles. But then he went out there and got like 160 rushing yards and like two touchdowns. Oh man, that's incredible. Imagine if he was picked up by the Patriots instead of the Raiders. Holy cow. He was yeah. about to be. He was about to be. I think, I think though, to be honest with you, I, I don't think that Marshawn Lynch would... Well, Marshawn Lynch is... A, well, he's just weird. But I think with the, the scheme that Belichick is running, I don't... I think that Rex Burkhead would probably probably do better. And like you said, the Patriots have five running backs already. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that ridiculous? I, I can name them all right now. Deion Lewis, James White, uh, Rex Burkhead. Uh, um, oh, my God. I'm LeGarrette Blunt. LeGarrette Blunt, and I'm missing someone else. Hey, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. But, yeah, they have, they have, they're overstocked. They're overstocked for sure. But I remember they had a problem with their running backs, didn't they, for a little bit? They don't, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. An unheralded guy came up big in the Super Bowl during that comeback. So, <laughs> um, people who aren't Patriots fans are sad to see them continue their dominance. At any rate. Yeah, well, the Empire must go on, man. You have to keep watching those Star Wars movies somehow. <laughs> the The Empire must continue on. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not sure what the... So what would the resistance be? Chiefs? <laughs> <laughs> they end up getting crushed every year. That would make a, a bad Star Wars movie. <laughs> I guess that's essentially Rogue One over and over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I agree is not a very good movie. Just like you agree, the Chiefs are not very good, or at least not very likable. You know, speaking of that, you were you in on the whole, like, um, like the DC actors like liking particular teams? So, like... Uh, what's his face? Joe Maginello, who's playing Deathstroke in the whatever Batman Justice League movie or whatever. He's a he's a big Steelers fan, and then there's Henry Cavill, who's a big Chiefs fan, and then Ben Affleck is a Patriots fan, and so they always say like, well, who wins in a fight? Well, I guess the Batman does. <laughs> You know, I hate to admit it in this case, in this circumstance. But. <laughs> well, you got anything exciting coming up over the next week? Um, you know what this this uh, this weather? I'm not sure if it's gonna uh, hit you, but uh, it's just gonna be like cold and dreary here. I mean, we're talking like 40s, and it's gonna yeah. be almost May. It's yeah, ridiculous. my birthday's in mid-May, so I always take notice of the fact that. Right before my birthday, there's always one last cold snap in Michigan, so that must be what's on its way. Yeah, so there's there's gonna be that. So I may be staying in a, a little bit, at least one night. Um, I may hit up some pinball, 
Uh, I'm a pinhead. Um, I think the only other thing that the big events that I'm looking forward to is uh, next, the following week, actually. Um, there's two events. One of them being Guardians of the Galaxy, and then second event being Free Comic Book Day. And there's going to be Dean Kane from Lois and Clark, the TV show. Uh, it's going to be down at the Krypton Comics store. So, so I'm you sure get a huge down there. for that. <laughs> well, not in front of him. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there, there's, there's that. Uh, I think, I'm trying to think of, there's something not um, that big in the next coming weeks. Um, with me, what about you? Yeah, nothing too spectacular here. I mean, I'm going to go to a, the first antique show of the year. <laughs> I, uh, what? We, we, like in Omaha, there's the junk stock. Uh, we, we like to find some vintage uh, finds. And then uh, first week, or no, I think May 6th, tulip time in Holland, Michigan. Uh, there's like just thousands or maybe even millions of tulips kind of like they do in the actual holland the netherlands so oh, cool. <laughs> yeah nothing too exciting but you know this this would be pretty uh i do you know speaking of junk stock i just went to my first junk stock uh a couple weeks like ago it? loved it yeah dude that was and the thing is though it's getting more to the point where it's not junk anymore <laughs> And you know because we ha- it's it's more like a craft a huge craft. Fair. Oh yeah. It's like people take take junk and make it into something that they, you can use. I saw the front end of an old like 1950s Chevy as as a, a foundation for a bar. Oh wow, that's awesome. The guy the, the, the guy the guy turned the lights on, and he was selling it for thirty five hundred. You know so that was a whole section of that. Oh yeah, I, I think the last one we went to, we found a couple awesome. Uh, mid-century end tables, you know, similar to like what you'd see uh, in Mad Men uh, for our living room. And then I also got uh, a small, uh, I guess, four-compartment uh, uh, library card catalog that I can stick various things in. And You know, everybody has their own taste, but if you're into vintage stuff at all, um, these places can be... You, you, you're always surprised by what you find, but there's always something, at least one awesome thing that you can pick up there. Yeah, not, not, you know what, that's crazy. I mean, see, the junk stock is, well, well, at least the one I went to, I think there's like three or four a year. Um, it was in Waterloo, um, which is, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes outside of Omaha, and uh, went down there and, you know, kind of parked in a really weird, like, grass field, walk up. I mean, there's barns, there's blues like playing in the background i mean you're walking up and there's like these these little tents here and there i mean there's seemingly junk everywhere and then they have they'd have like again like these really really nice things that you can buy um and they have really really good food they had um they had homemade honey they had like oh the, the root beer they had some root beer vendor which is which is fantastic i had i i, I ordered two two gal- two what was it? basically a gallon of it <laughs> I drank it all. <laughs> I was just like, it was just so freaking oh, yeah, and good. And elephant but, uh, ears and kettle corn. And last time I was uh, at the junk stack in Omaha, they also had a couple of uh, microbrewers there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, see, yeah, I think, dude, I'm, I'm probably going to go to more of those because for whatever reason, I, I'm kind of into it. I'm getting into it. And I and I know that it started off small and it wasn't as elaborate as it was now, but um, they even had like a bar 
where you know they have their own setup there where you can just have a you know have your drinks and listen to music or you can go out and be like hey i just had my beer and just walk around and check out some oh, stuff yeah. and you can it you can look it's not like you're going to spend 10 15 bucks you're going you're probably going to spend around if you if you're there to kind of like check out things really check out things you're probably not going to spend like north of 100 or at yeah minimum. that sounds right yeah um yeah i mean you're I mean, if you're just kind of a passive shopper, but if you go there for something particular, you're, you 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 have a good chance of finding it. But uh, but yeah, those those events, I I I really really enjoy. I'm probably gonna go to more and more of those. I just I just love I love well, I guess creative little inventions. I love kitsch. <laughs> well, well, yeah, yeah. I, um, but yeah. So I I forgot what I was telling you, but yeah, that's. Oh, wait, there was one more thing I was going to tell you. Oh, I think it's in the coming weeks. I was going to go do it. Do it. Man. Oh, oh, here's what I was going to say. I was going to say, um, I haven't done it yet, but I will just say I'm going to go read Kingdom Come because I never got around to it. And I, I bought the book. I had it signed by Mark Wade, the the writer. And so I'm going to read it, and I'll, and I'll talk about yes. it later. But, and, then I, and I also need to talk about what's happening with Superman in the comic yes. books, too, because... Holy moly! We need we need to talk about that next time. We will. I'll tr- I'll try to inform myself even more, and we'll we'll get into that as well as some deeper questions. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, uh, I would like to do a couple weekly recommendations. Um, the first one I will recommend is The Crown, which is a show about. I mean, I've got to assume that you know it's it's a fictitious or fictionalized version with some real stuff from the events of uh, Queen Elizabeth II's life and her husband, Prince Philip, and, you know, her her father, what it was like when she was growing up with him, and then after he passed and how she came into the role of being the queen. And there's a lot of drama with her relationship uh, with her husband, Prince Philip, who's played by matt smith and uh, i can't remember the actress's name doctor who yes matt smith doctor who 11th doctor uh winston churchill um he john, yeah, john lithgow he's um he's got a lot of very interesting interactions with uh, the queen um and you wouldn't think that he would be a good actor to play that part, but he is surprisingly very good at it dude he's one of the best actors out there i saw him in Dexter season four, and he plays a serial killer, and he was amazing. Like I couldn't believe how good he was. I was, I've always liked him. I but I've always seen him like a light, you know, like, you know, like a light movie, Harry and the Hendersons or The Rock from the Sun or whatever he whatever he was doing. Um, but never like something serious like that. And and yeah, and you're right. In The Crown, he's fantastic. Yeah. So The Crown is a Netflix series. Even if you're not into politics and whatnot, the drama that's involved and the the attention to period detail. Um, drama. If, if you're into Downton Abbey at all, this is way better than Downton Abbey. Yeah, but it is. It is. I mean, it, it's like Downton Abbey without the pretentiousness. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. It's not. They're not like. They don't have their noses in the air. Like no. I don't know. I don't know. It's. What's your recommendation for the week? Finally got around to seeing Crimson Tide from 1995. I always wanted to get around to it. Um, it stars Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. A um, 
about a world that's almost at the brink of the Third World War um, with the Russians. And they're in a particular situation where they are giving messages and one of the messages got cut out because the communication device went out. And the whole problem was that Denzel Washington's character, who was a second in command, had a problem with assuming what they should do as opposed to just acting on instinct based upon the gravity of the situation, which was Gene Hackman's um, you know, stance. So it was, it was the fight and, uh, between um, both of those men, first and second in command on a, on a submarine, a uh, nuclear submarine. So that's directed by Tony Scott, um, who also did Top Gun. Um, very flashy editing, fantastic movie, um, great acting. Um, I can't say enough of that movie. And I, I think I had something else I would like to say. Oh, yes, Better Call Saul. I'm two episodes in. I missed the last episode a couple days ago, but I will say that it, uh, if you guys are fans of the last season, my goodness, it's 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 hitting all the right notes again. So um, I, de- I would definitely start watching that as well. Awesome. Well, I, I always appreciate your your deep takes on everything pop culture related. You're a fount of knowledge. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to have you back on Robot Dinner Party Podcast again. i got to thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. It's always a pleasure. And, um, yeah, we'll uh, see everybody next time on the next episode of the Robot Dinner Party. I'm your host, Ben. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. It was great. Have a great day. Okay.